you ready for the word tonight, guys? Well, I pray this word will encourage you and spur you on in the journey that you're on. So the title of our message is, What's the Story? Morning Glory. Had to get that in there. But what's the story? So I don't know if you're like me, but anybody like a good read? You get the book. It's by your famous favorite author or it's in the line of series you've been reading. And you get the next book and there's that anticipation of what's going to happen to the main character in the book. There's that, what is this journey going to take? And it's those fresh new pages. Or if you're on Kindle, fresh new screen. You've polished it, ready to read the book. And there's that excitement. And it's a bit like that if you read a book by a famous pastor. Maybe you're into like T.D. Jakes or Joel Osteen or Joyce Meyer. And the book comes through the post and you're like, oh, here it is. Look at the title. It's gripped me already. So how disappointing would it be to open the book and the book says, I follow Jesus. I live a perfect life. No issues. Heaven, here I come. The end. You'd be like... Hang on a minute, Joycey baby. I'm expecting to read something in your book that is going to stir something in me. I want to hear about the trials you've been through recently and where God has stepped into your trial and brought you through to the other side. I want to hear about those low points that then God turns around to high points and he has the victory in your life. I want to hear about where the glory of God just poured out over your ministry and God did something because it's all about him. I want to hear the real story. I want to hear the real story of your life because life has ups and downs. It has very low points. It has very high points. But over it all, Jesus is sovereign over our lives. And when you're following him, you are guaranteed to have a story that is going to be a good read. You know, I don't know about you, but I'd like to think at the end of my life that Hollywood could say, actually, we could make a good film out of our life. It's not going to be just this boring film, but it's going to be something of excitement. Because as we go on this journey, there is stuff that happens to us. And God is the author of your story. And I want to remind you of that tonight. And so we're going to look at a story in the Bible that has a lot of action in it. It has a lot of drama. It has some complaining. It has some high points. It has some low points. But overall, it has the glory of God revealed in this story. And this is through the people called the Israelites. And it's a story you're probably quite familiar with. But basically, God takes them out of a place of slavery in Egypt. And he takes them on this long journey through the wilderness to the promised land. But of course, it's a journey and life happens. Each day, there's struggle. Each day, there's breakthrough. It's their story. And we're going to pick up the story, and we're at the point where Pharaoh has finally agreed to let the Israelites go. He's had enough of the plagues. He's had enough of this God coming in on their behalf, and he says, okay, you can go. But then his heart is hardened, and Pharaoh thinks, what have we done? We've just let go all the people that build everything for us. We've let go our slaves, the ones who do all the work. So we're going to go after them. So he sends out his army, a vast army of Egyptians, with 600 of the best chariots, plus all the rest of his chariots, and his horses, and his men, with armor, and with weaponry. And he sends them out to go and chase down those Israelites. You see, they've just been released. Moses has gone in, let my people go. And finally, he lets them go. And yet they're on this journey through the wilderness, leaving the place of comfort in many ways of what they knew. And they're on this way to go to the promised land, But then Pharaoh changes his mind and trouble is about to come on these people. The story is just about to get to one of those blockbuster moments that Hollywood did. I think 1956, the Ten Commandments. There we go. I looked at some of the footage to show you. It was so old fashioned. I was like, I can't show you that. It was really bad. But anyway, so the Israelites find themselves marching through this wilderness and they get to the point of the Red Sea, this vast amount of water. 
And behind them, they hear the army of the Egyptians coming. And in fact, it's not just behind them because the army was so vast, they could look to the left and they saw the corner of the army. They could look to the right and they saw the corner of the army. So the army is behind them. The Red Sea is in front of them. And they stand in this place of sheer panic. And this is what they say in Exodus 14, verses 10 to 12, please. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. They'd been told a word by God through Moses that they would be delivered and they'd go to the promised land. Yet they're standing at a place of complete blockage, a Red Sea in front of them, an army behind them on the left and the right, and panic sets in. They see the people that they have run from are running after them to chase them down, to kill them. Wouldn't it have been better that we died in Egypt? What have you done? Caused us to come into this place. Should we just start digging our own graves now? What is going to happen to us? Panic sets in. And maybe for you, in your life, there is a Red Sea. There's a place where you need to cross over. You know the word of God for your life is promised to take you through to the promised land, to bring your breakthrough. And yet you look at your issues and you say, I'm surrounded on the left and I'm surrounded on the right and I'm surrounded behind me. And this is where I need to cross over. And God, this is an impossible situation. What is your Red Sea? What is your issue? What is stopping you from crossing into the promises that God has for you? For many, it'll be different things, but there'll be something. Because on this journey, God is taking us from glory to glory. He wants us to cross over the obstacles. He wants us to push through. And I'm going to give you in this message some pointers of how to do that in your life, to break through into your promised land. So the people panicked. They turned to Moses, a leader. It's all your fault. That usually happens with leaders. And they stand there. And so Moses says to them such wisdom in the next verse, which is Exodus 14, verses 13 to 14. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Four points I want to look at in this verse. If we could have the next slide. Don't fear. Stand firm. Look and see. Be still. Don't fear. Stand firm. Look and see. Be still. The first thing is don't fear. We're standing in front of a huge sea with an Egyptian army behind us and on the left and the right. And Moses, you say to us, don't fear. You see, fear cripples you. Fear keeps you stuck in a place. Fear paralyzes you. And there's a very real enemy that wants to bring fear into our lives to keep us stuck where we are so we can't move forward. And to give you an illustration of this, I'm going to share a story of fear that I had in the natural, but also I'm talking about fear in the spiritual. But naturally, so many of you who I've preached before have known that I don't quite like heights that much. But I have been overcoming my fear because I managed to go to the top of... Um, the Lednall building in London, 737 feet of it, managed to get to the top of it. I was on my knees at the top, but I managed to get to the top. 
However, go back 10 years ago, Dan and I were on holiday in Greece. And I don't know how to do a Greek accent. So unfortunately, <laughs> unless there's any Greek people in the house, no, you're saved. Thank you, God, for your mercy, they say. Not one of my accents. So we were on holiday in Greece, and we went to the inevitable water park for the day. You've got to do your water park trip, haven't you? So Dan and I went off to this water park, and it was great, the lazy river and, and the log flume. And then he's like, we're going on that kamikaze. I'm like, oh, Lord, no, we're not. We are. He said, come on, you can overcome this fear. You can go on the kamikaze, which is a water slide that starts off dead straight and just goes all the way down. So it's about 100 foot to get up kamikaze. Greek workmanship, particularly 10 years ago, um, does not fit in with um, England's health and safety standards. I mean, you can't even walk past a building site without the hobnail boots on the hat now, can you? Let alone be on the site. But in Greece, there didn't seem to be much, you know, law on buildings over there. So Dan's like, come on, we can do it. So there are these steps which are just sheer metal, and it just goes all the way up, 100 foot of it, because I made him tell me how tall it was. And he's, come on, you can do it. There's loads of people going out. There's kids, so you're like, oh, I can't look embarrassed in front of the kids. Yeah, I can do this. So off we go, start to walk up the steps. But literally, you see, if you've got a fear of something, something actually overtakes you in your body. So I start to get the old sweaty palms on, the old feeling nausea, thinking, oh, I feel really ill now. The knees turn to jelly, you know, the legs are like this. I'm like, okay, I can do it. I mean, give me a spider. I'm not worried about spiders, but some people will be like, no, don't put a spider near me. But for me, it's the height. So I was like, okay. So he's like, come on. So I start going up about 10 steps, about 10 foot up. I'm like, oh, he's like, he's hanging off it because Dan's like, he just jumped from the top of it. He's one of those. And we're going up gradually and getting up near the top. And I'm like, oh, I can't look over the edge. I'm just looking down, just walking up. It's everybody queuing up for the water slide. And literally get to the top and there's this platform, which is probably about as big as this part of the stage. And we're at the top and I'm like, oh, I made it. And it's almost that, that moment of, oh, I've done it. I've overcome it, and everyone's queuing up for the ride. Hadn't even thought about going down the slide, by the way. I was like, oh, I've got to get down from here. But got to the top, and then there was that moment, you just look over, and there's a couple of the locals and a couple of the holiday makers who were looking at me going, oh, oh, no. And, I, and I'm, like, standing there at the top of this platform thinking, what's going on? Oh, no, is it going to fall down? They've obviously realized the footings are going to fall. And in that moment, I could hear the sound, which I can only describe as, like, a helicopter going past my head, and all of a sudden, the biggest hornet you have ever seen in your life, people, which was about this fat, massive thing. My hair was up. It got wedged and stuck in the top of my hair. And literally, this is the absolute truth. Dan would witness to this. The locals started backing down the water slide and people were running away. I'm 100 foot up with a massive hornet stuck in my head. Standing there. So what do you do in that moment? You're like, Fear just gripped me. Not only am I going to die 100 foot up from falling off this thing, I'm going to die by hornet. What would that look like on the front page of the Daily Mail? So I did the inevitable. The windmill came out. <laughs> trying to get this thing out of my hair. Panic set in. I'm looking like a complete loon. And I'm stood there. These people are running away. But of course, Dan's there. Let me deal with this. He just went out and he went, let's just push it away. Flicked it out of my hair and it went off. And I was just in that moment like, oh. he was like cool as cucumber standing there like that. I was just like, oh, and it's that worst moment. It just went. So then I got down that slide as quick as I could. I'm like, I'm going to be stung by that killer hornet. And all day people come up to me, you woman, hornet, yes, and hair. Like, yes, thanks for that. Yes, that was me. Did you take pictures? Thank the Lord Facebook wasn't that big back then because I'd be all over it. But I was literally crippled by fear. I literally had that moment of crippled by fear, and then I'm going to be stung, and it was horrible. But what did Dan do? He pushed the fear away. 
And we've got to push the fear away. You know, the enemy wants to bring fear into our lives so that we get positioned where we are and stuck. So we think, I'm too scared to move forward. And there's something coming behind me. And it's at the left and the right. So I'll just stand here in fear and get compressed by it and get brought down by it. Because fear is a spirit. There is a spirit of fear. And the enemy wants to pile the people with the spirit of fear. He wants to let you be so fearful that you're scared to move forward. And this can happen on a daily basis to people. And I've experienced this so often. You can go about your day just as you normally would. And you read an account of something. Something pops up on the news feed. You read something in the Daily Mail. Somebody tells you of a horrible story. And before you know it, your mind is doing overtime of what if. What if that could happen to me? What about my children? What will happen to the economy? What will happen? Is there another terrorist attack here? I can't go there because I could be blown up. And we start to get this fear in us and it paralyzes us as people. And in our walk with God, it can happen. The enemy will bring so many little seeds of fear that start to grow big. And they will keep us in a position of being locked down and fearful to go forward. And yet the Bible tells us the opposite of fear. And it tells us in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He's given us the opposite of fear. He's given us a sound mind. So when the enemy comes in like a flood to whisper those thoughts that will get going around in your mind to paralyze you in fear, you say, uh-uh, enemy. God has given me a, not a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind of thinking and that trumps everything it trumps everything so we do not need to have fear we need to wage war on fear because we're in a spiritual battle people we are in a spiritual battle we need to wage war on fear we don't need to sit down with fear and say oh yeah come in why don't you have a slice of cake and a cup of tea and keep fear there we need to say no i can push you aside i can push back fear why because jesus overcame fear at the cross and therefore i will not walk in fear i will walk in freedom and that is what is given each and every one of us so that we are not paralyzed in fear that we replace fear with his truth of his word and we can fear not because God writes your story. God is in control. He's the author and finisher of your faith. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows everything about your life and your story. And all the time he is positioning the right people in your life at the right time, the right church, the right job, the right ministry. He's maneuvering your life so that he will get the glory out of your life because our lives are all for his glory. Our story should all be about, yeah, I was going through that, but my God stepped in. And yes, life looked like that and tragedy happened, but God stepped in. That's the truth of our story because we have the author of the creator of everything writes our story. So fear not. The one thing out of all this message, I think, is fear not. Take that as the first thing, fear not. And the second thing Moses says to the Israelites is stand firm. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. You see, in the midst of trouble, when the enemy's on your case, when you can't go forward, he's behind you, he's at the side. You need to stand firm. Otherwise, what you do is you windmill and wobble like when a hornet's in your hair. You're like this and you panic and you're all over the place and you look ridiculous. But the truth is God has said, stand firm, Israelites. You will see my deliverance. Stand firm, church. You will see my deliverance to take you through that issue, to get you on the other side, to cross you over into the promises I have for you. But stand firm, church. You see, God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. So he therefore would deliver them to the promised land because his word is true. 
His word is never failing. His word is true always, yesterday, today, and forever. And earlier in the passage, before I read you of when they panicked, God spoke to Moses and he told them basically this this would happen. He says to them in Exodus 14 verse 4, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all of his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. So he sent them on this journey knowing that Pharaoh's heart will be hardened, knowing that Pharaoh would go after them. But that's fine because he's God and he's in control. And he knows that he's got the answer already and he knows how he would deliver them. And so the truth is, and it's even like what we've sung tonight, the theme of, the, of everything so far this evening. The truth is, in every situation you find yourself in, every moment of life, God is enough for you. His name is enough for you, the name of Jesus. And I just want to remind you of some of his names tonight, because wherever you find yourself, whatever position you're in, you see, he's our high priest and he's our lamb. He's our guide and he's our redeemer. He's our restorer and he's our savior. He's our strength and he's our shield. He is God with us. He's our shepherd and he's our healer. He's our freedom from the curse. He's our provider and he's our banner. He is our deliverer. He is the beginning and the end. He is all we need. And his word is a lamp unto our feet. And that's the God we serve. And that's just some of the names of the God we serve. But the truth is what you need to stand firm on, church, is not the ground you stand on, is not your best friend, is not your pastor at church. What you stand firm on is the word of God. The never changing, unfailing word of God. And that's what you can stand on. Because if his word says that I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper and not to harm you, to give you a hope in the future, then that's the truth of his word. And he will stick by his word. If he said he'll deliver you through Egypt, through the wilderness and over the Red Sea and into the promised land, then he'll do that. And if he can do it for the Israelites, I mean, somewhere I read in the Bible that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. So therefore he can do it for them, he can do it for you and he can do it for me. And that is the truth of the story. So when we read their story, we know that when we come to our Red Sea, God is true to his word and he will deliver us through because he's the God of the crossing over. He's the God of taking us out of a place of slavery and into a place of freedom in Jesus' name. So when we're standing firm, it's important that we're dressed right. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes you look back at photos of 10 years ago and you look and you think, oh, Lord, what was I wearing? You look and think, really? I mean, was that fashionable then? Was I wearing it? I mean, I know for Pastor Barry, he has this on a weekly basis. He looks back at last week and, um, yeah, there you go. (laughs) Only joking. But you look. Or sometimes, you know, you go for that day trip out. I did this recently, and the sun was out. It was April. It should have been about 20 degrees. It was minus four in England. And off I went out with my thin jacket on. Oh, by the end of the day, I'd regretted that, I tell you. I wish I'd put some layers on. The nose was running, started to get the sore throat. I was like, ah! I was like, this is so annoying. But it's because I didn't dress right for the occasion. And the truth is, when we're standing firm, there's actually an outfit that we need to wear. And it's actually an outfit that belongs to God. And it's the armor of God. And he's given it for us to wear, to stand firm. And I'm going to read to you in Ephesians 6, verses 11 to 17, the armor of God. And you could do a whole preach on every part of the armor because it's just so fantastic. But I want to read it out to you. And when I read this, I was just so amazed at the amount of times it says stand in it. And the wonderful Andy has put them in yellow for us. So I'm going to read it to you. Put on the full armor of God 
so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. There's power in that church. When you wear the armor of God, it belongs to him. And he says, wear it, child, wear it, because he's given us our righteousness. He's given us the truth of his world to buckle around us, which holds everything else in place. He's given us the peace that we need, that shalom peace. He's given us every aspect of what we need to stand against the enemy because when we're dressed right in that, you know the enemy has to flee. When we say back to the enemy the word of God, when he brings fear into our lives, he has to flee because it's the truth of the word of God. And we're on the winning side. Have you read the end of the book? We win. And we're in this spiritual battle and we need to say, enemy, you back off. You might be at the left. You might be behind me. You might be at the right. But I know God has got the power to get me through that obstacle that's in front of me and cross over into the promised land and God can do that for whatever it is in your life today because he said he will in his word the next thing that Moses said to the Israelites was look and see you see the Israelites were so focused on the issue that they forgot to look and see at who was with them they're so focused on how we're going to get over the Red Sea I mean this is impossible they started to lose heart they started to let hopelessness set in and panic set in. But they failed to look and see that God was with them. You see, God was the one who'd already taken them on a journey. When they were hungry, what happened? Manna fell from heaven. That's a miracle. When they were, had shoes on their feet, they did not wear out. When they needed provision, God was there. When they needed direction, God would speak to Moses and he would direct them through. They went on this incredible journey so far and God was there every step of the way. And you know, on your incredible journey so far, sometimes when we're waiting for the big miracle and the big breakthrough and the big thing, we forget to see all the other miracles God has already done. That every day in our lives, he is doing miracles that sometimes we fail to even see. That God is on our case all the time doing stuff. He is the very sustainer of our lives. He is the air that we breathe. And every day he's doing the miraculous in our life. You know that sickness bug that everyone else got, but it passed you by because you prayed. You see, that was your God. And that time when you didn't have enough money to eat that week and somebody turns up at your door and puts money through it, you see, that was God. And every time that you're in that moment of fear and you pray out, God, take this away from me and lead me through and you get through, that was God. And they failed to see all the little miracles. And sometimes we're so focused on the big, we're not seeing where he's upholding us all the time. And we're not seeing it's the same God and that same power. And this is what happened for them, that Moses is saying, come on, guys, look and see. Look what he's done this far. He's not going to fail you now. He's not going to let you stop at this place where you can't get over. You see, he's got a plan. Because when we read the story in Exodus, we know what happens with the Red Sea, but they didn't know what had happened. A bunch of people trusting God, seeing him, and thinking, what is going to happen? Like you and I, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen next week. But God does, and he's already put in place the safety net, the place to push you through your trial, to help you. He's got it all planned out. And all we have to do is trust him and know that he is true to his word. Look and see. 
Moses answered the people. It's the same verse again, but I just want to read it to you. Exodus 14, 13 to 15. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Look and see what he's up to. You see, the Bible tells us that God works all things together for good. So even when you're having a really bad time, a bad moment, you think, oh, I've messed up again. God is working all things together for good. The author of your story, he knows the end from the beginning and he's orchestrating your life and he'll help you with the breakthrough. All we need to do is ask him. The fourth thing that Moses said was be still. Now, when you think of being still, you think, okay, be still. But when you look up what it says in the good old Oxford Dictionary, it says, mean, be still means not moving or making a sound, deep silence and a calm, a stillness. Don't make a sound. Be still. But the enemy's on my case. There's stuff happening in my life. I've got issues. It's coming to the left and the right and behind me. And I can't get over to this place I need to get over. Be still. Be calm. Be wait. Because, you know, the minute we go through stuff, if we like to splurt out all the bad stuff that's going on in our life, what do we do? We give the enemy ammunition against us. We give him stuff just to form weapons against us. But when we're silent and when we're standing on that word of God that's saying God's got this, it doesn't look good. In the natural, this is looking the worst possible case scenario, but I trust my God and God has got this. And we stand there still in a position of calmness, of peace, in a position where we're not mouthing off so we can hear the voice of God. That's where he wants us. Because when we're still and we're calm and when we have that peace, that shalom peace, I mean, the Bible talks about peace. It says it passes all understanding. Don't always understand it. But God gives us this amazing peace that in that situation you can stand still. But what we tend to do is want to be like the windmill. We want to kick up a bit of a, oh, what do I do in this situation? Panic sets in. What do I do? No, no, it's not what you do. It's what I'm going to do, says God. I'm the one that will get you through this. So trust in me. Let your faith rise up that even when it looks impossible, I am God. I am God of the breakthrough. I am God of the crossing over. I am God of the impossible. So trust me with your life and in your situation. In Psalm 46, verse 10, he says, God says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know. You know, God has got it all. He's got your breakthrough. Those issues, however many of them there are, he knows what it will take to get you through to the other side, and he's got you. So have peace. Take courage. Be bold. You will see the victory of God because he's already won the victory. we just got to walk it out, church. We're going to be a triumphant people that are going to break through the stuff. Those chains that have held your family and your friends for years and years and you can be broken out like that in a moment because of our God. We've got to trust him and be still and know that he is God. And in that moment, what went on in those Israelites' hearts? What were they thinking in that moment? Moses has said this. They took it in. Okay, we trust you, Moses. You're God's servant. We're going to trust in this God. But we're panicking a bit here, but fear not. Okay, we're not going to fear. 
Stand firm. What has God said? I will deliver you. Look and see. Yes, already he has taken care of us. He's provided for us in a complete wilderness. Be still. Don't speak. And wait. And they stood by that sea with their army coming behind them. What did the sound like of the horses, of the chariots, of the roars of the people coming? We're going to get those Israelites. What did that sound like? What did it look like when they saw them from a distance? But then a strong easterly wind started to blow. You know when the wind blows? You can feel it. You can hear it. It messes up your hair. It's there. You can feel it. Something started to happen. Waiting on the edge of crossing over. The sea was there. No prior warning of what would happen. But then God spoke to Moses. And we pick it up in Exodus 14 verses 21 to 22. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind. And it turned into dry land. The waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on the right and on their left. Imagine that moment. Before their eyes, they saw the deliverance of Almighty God. Before their eyes, they saw the water start to part. And interesting enough, as we watch it in the movies, it looks like it happens quite instantly. But it didn't. It started to happen all night. And all night while that was happening, God made the other side of where the Egyptians were pitch black. They couldn't see what was going on. They were shielded. The Israelites were shielded. God is doing stuff. He's shielding you from the enemy. He is doing stuff. And the sea starts to roll back. And they're standing there. Imagine what their hearts started to feel. Our deliverance is coming. God, Yahweh, you are doing something. And the sea started to part. And what did they do? As it went on that night, they walked through on dry ground. Not a drop of water on their feet. Not a drop of water touched them. They were not pulled under. I mean, imagine that, that nerve-wracking thing of walking through. God is doing it. And they walk through onto the other side on dry land. And then as the story unfolds, exactly what God promised in his word. These Egyptians that are after you, you will no longer see after today. Because then God said to Moses, stretch your arm. Stretch your staff back over the water. And as he did, as the Egyptians come chasing after the Israelites, the sea swallowed up every single one of them. No one in that army was left. No enemy that was chasing down God's people was left completely and utterly obliterated by God. Because God is true to his word. And so church, your deliverance will come. I want to tell your deliverance will come. I've got a song um, just to play after this. And if you could play for me after that, would be brilliant. Um, your deliverance will come. You know, whatever it is, whatever your Red Sea is, whatever you're waiting to cross over into, whatever fear is stopping you and the enemy saying, you will never change. You can never break that habit. You will always be the same. They are lies because the truth said, my Redeemer lives and he is my deliverer and he will set me up to win and he will pass me through that water. You know, what an incredible story, the Israelites. But what an incredible story we're going to read of Sarah Beals and of John and of Ellie. What incredible stories of breakthrough we're going to read in this church of Jenny and different ones of David, of Sarah, of Matt. We're going to read these stories because God has given us the instructions. So fear not. Stand firm. Look and see what he's already done. Testimony is so powerful. I love the testimonies we had here on Easter Sunday because it's so powerful because if he can do it for James and he can do it for Lizelle, he can do it for you too. That's the power of the testimony. And then be still and wait and see the deliverance of God. And as I was preparing this message, 
I was telling Dan, basically, my husband, about what I was going to talk about. And he said, wow, he said, you know, God gave me a song I listened to. He bought a new album by Bethel called Starlight. And he said, there's one song that really jumped out. And he said, it's really spoken to me. But I've been saying, God, what is that for? He said, I like to use it at an appropriate time. And I told him about this message. And he said, oh, that's for tonight. He said, play that song. So I'd like to play this song to you and, you know, sit, stand, whatever you want to do. Let it minister to you. And then we'll pray and then, then we'll worship and go from there. So if we could have the song, please. Yeah. 
like to pray for you if that's okay. Mm. Well, Father God, we thank you that you are here with us, that you are the God who delivers, who sets us free, who changes situations. And Father God, we come tonight to wait in your presence. We come to wait like the Israelites did at that moment for their deliverance. And when they needed you, almighty God, to come and step in and change the circumstance and break through, Lord God. And you did, because you're good to your word. And Father, I want to pray for this church here tonight, Lord God, for every person here, Father. That when they might feel they're in that moment of waiting to cross over, that there's that Red Sea in front of them. And there's the issues around them and the enemies on their case. That, Lord God, they would know that that hope would rise up in hearts tonight. To know that you are the deliverer that you are the great I am, that you are the one that will cross them over to the other side, that they need to wait on you, Lord God. And in that moment, you come and the wind starts to blow and the sea parts. And I want to pray that tonight over these precious people tonight, Father, for people that are going through stuff, who have issues, who have problems, who are stuck in fear, that you would break out fear tonight, Father, and you'd cause them to stand up and stand firm, that you will get them through to the promises of your word, Lord God, that you have better on the other side, Father, that you challenge your church to stir up out of their comfort zone and to cross over, to not fear the unknown or fear failure or fear the future, but to know, Lord God, that you have for them, Lord Jesus. And I pray a breaking out of the mindset of fear tonight, that fear would be gone in the name of Jesus, and that we'd step over to the other side, Lord God, raising our faith up, raising our banner up, to say, God, we trust you. We know you will deliver us. You'll set us free. You're true to your word. The great I am, the restorer, the redeemer, the lamb of God, the, the beginning and the end. That's who you are, Lord God. And so we thank you that as we pray, Lord Jesus, that you'll pour out your spirit on people tonight. Holy Spirit, that you'd come and do a work tonight. In Jesus.